The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Pretty soon they'll be able to do more than just watch movies about flying and remember all the ground skimming. But for now, Dave, Jeb, and Jack spend a bit of the morning reviewing Charlie's aircraft data, comparing notes on their favorite flying movies, considering a remarkable case of breaking the speed limit, and remembering Raccoon Mountain. All this and more on Uncontrolled Airspace, episode number 20. It's Flying Bunnies! I'll just come it's out a great, it's, it's a great, out it's, of you. It's know. a great flick. Yeah, watch where you go there. Don't make me come down there. David, you know that if you ever leave this woman, Jeb and I are going to fight a death match. <laughs> the line forms to the right. Okay. Take a deep breath. <sighs> oh, man. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 220 of Uncontrolled Airspace. Uh, I'm Jack Hodgson, a freelance writer and new media producer up here in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, also hanging out with us this morning in the virtual hangar is uh, Jeb Burnside, uh, talking to us from Springfield, Virginia. Jeb is a freelance aviation journalist, currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine and also as a contributing editor to AvWeb Biz. Good morning, Jeb. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Jack. Uh, all, uh, all of our listeners, how's right. everything going? And also with us is Dave Higdon. Dave talking to us from uh, Wichita, Kansas. Dave is an aviation photographer and a senior editor at Kit Planes Magazine, also the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. It's a great day to be flying. <laughs> is it really? It's uh, it's a beautiful day here. Some people really ask is. me why we talk about weather so much at the beginning. My theory is that pilots, when they first get together, always talk about the weather, right? I mean, am I... Absolutely. You know, so, so it's well, beautiful down there, huh? Are you guys going to get uh, this snowstorm? I don't think so. What uh, snows? There better not be any snow. <laughs> well, that's my that's my opinion on the subject too. But but the forecast. I got your, I got your snowstorm right here. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was. It's been beautiful up here in Boston. It got. It's been in the fifties and and even the sixties. It almost hit seventy the other day. It was. It's great. And then now we're going. The forecast is for. I'm not exaggerating. A foot of snow. We're supposed to get up a, in your neck. A foot of snow throughout Friday here. and into Saturday. Yeah. So what part of the what part of the country is this? New England. Okay, uh, I just want to make sure. What I'm not country here is this? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. We're, it's supposed to be pretty warm snow. It's going to be pretty, which means it's going to be nasty shoveling. It's it's just I'm just, you know, we're all so ready. I mean, everybody's ready, but then we've had this teaser of sixty and seventy well, three days, and we we're kind of in the same boat. Uh, we we've had a number of just. Strikingly, strikingly nice flying days here. Uh, blue skies, uh, moderate for Kansas, moderate winds. Uh, temperatures in the 70s. Seen a lot more little airplanes out in the uh, mornings and afternoons than usual. But a number of us that have been around here for a while have a theory that March weather of this uh, quality very often leads to an April payback worse than the IRS. And that's mm -hmm. what we're all worried about. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess that's possible. Uh, it, this isn't going to last long. That's what I'm, that's my mantra right now. Is it's okay? Well, it's it going to snow. Yeah. It's going to melt within a couple of days. It's going to be fine. Don't. And it is the Ides of March. We're recording this on uh, on on the Ides of March. That's right. Uh, which could bode poorly for the whole thing. Well, if yeah. Caesar so shows up, don't you know? Don't forget to put a knife in him. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, we've we've had uh, uh, last couple of days have been fairly nice. We're supposed to maybe get some rain tonight, but uh, um, yesterday I was puttering around the house and playing with some toys and whatnot, and actually worked up a sweat, all of which tends to reinforce the old maxim here in the Washington, D.C. area. The saying goes that spring in Washington is very nice. It usually comes on a Thursday. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get rolling here, I did want to take a second to remind everyone that in addition to listening to this podcast, we hope that you will also visit the Uncontrolled Airspace website at uncontrolledairspace.com. There's all kinds of good stuff to be found there. You can find show notes for all of our shows with links to the web pages we talk about and other background information. You can listen to any and all of the previous episodes. You can check out the Uncontrolled Airspace blog where we post GA-related items that we're following. You can sign up for our reminder email list. You can get the phone number for our listener line so you can call and leave us audio messages. You can get instructions on how to get a free subscription to the podcast through one of the podcatcher programs like iTunes or iPodder or Juice or others. And remember, tell all your friends that you do not need an iPod to listen to podcasts like this one. You can download the cast to any portable audio device or just listen on your laptop or desktop computer. So visit the website at uncontrolledairspace.com. One visit a week. That's all we ask. That's my little bit of business there. So, uh, And the bonus is getting to sit through us. That's right. Uh, so let's see now. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about real quickly here is it's sort of a piece of viewer mail, or viewer mail. I keep saying viewer mail. Listener mail. Answer, <laughs> telephone. Uh, I'm is, trying uh, to get it to shut off. We got one bit of a listener uh, email recently that was kind of interesting. It was from one of our EAA friends, uh, Charlie Becker. who. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I don't know Charlie Becker very well. Do either of you guys know him better? Uh, I, I know him when I see him, and uh, you know Charlie's been knocking around with the EAA for a long time. Charlie is uh, from from the signature on his email is a, the uh, director of EAA Aviation Services, and he sent us this email. He said, uh, first off, you guys are doing great work on the podcast. I've been following it uh, from the beginning, uh, but due to various life and vacation issues, I fell behind. I'm playing catch up now, and just finished number sixteen yesterday. During number 16, Jeb made a comment uh, during the broadcast that he would like to know if the GA fleet is growing. I happen to get reports from FAA so that I can track amateur built certificates issued. I quickly put, to get, put together the attached Excel <laughs> spreadsheet. Just keep up the good work. Charlie Becker, Director of EA Aviation Services. Um, I don't know if you guys had a chance to open up that spreadsheet, but it has some interesting information. Um, he's divided up, uh, he's given us uh, the size of the. Uh, the uh, aircraft population in both December of 2000 and also December of 06, and he's divided it up into a bunch of different categories, uh, normal, utility, acrobatic, transport, glider, balloon, commuter, other, and then experimental. And in virtually every category, uh, the uh, population is growing. Uh, the hmm. acrobatic dropped like 0.8%, basically it's unchanged, Yeah. Uh, and uh, other dropped about 4%. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what is other. Um, but, uh, you know, things are going well. The population is definitely growing. The normal category grew 10% over that period of time. Uh, 
you know, it probably probably bodes. Uh, I don't know. Dave, Dave this will set Dave off. But transport category grew twenty three percent in number of aircraft over that period of time. Well, that that, that doesn't surprise me because no, I mean, uh, really me either. Uh, tra- you know, first off, the airlines uh, have, have been swapping around a lot of stuff, but there's well, keep, keep a number of business all. jets that are also Ex- uh, exactly far twenty five right. and, and and get counted as transport category aircraft. Right. Um, it's interesting. Earlier this week, the NTSB published um, its its 06 safety numbers, uh, accidents, fatal accidents, fatalities, etc. And um, you know, the good news is that uh, aviation safety continues to improve uh, nationally uh, among all types of operations. Um, the uh, GA included. GA included. Um, airlines, obviously, Part 135 um, operations, uh, everything is, is safer or was safer in 06 than it was in 05. One of the, the tidbits gleaned from that, uh, that release was the NTSB is of the opinion that general aviation operations activity continues to drop from its high in 1990. Uh, I'm not sure all of that's correct, to be honest with you. And I'd, I'd certainly be willing to, to discuss that and, and hear more from listeners and, and uh, others in the industry. Now, how do they define um, activity? Well, they're calling it hours flown, basically. Right. Okay. They, do a, they, they, they survey pilots, and it's not a very uh, scientific survey. It's been acknowledged, but it's the best that they seem to, so it's to not be able to do. Takeoffs and landings, it's not operations. No, uh-uh. no, because too many operations. At, at, well, at the majority of the airports, there's nobody there that actually it, tracks. That operations. was exactly going to be my point. Yeah, exactly. and uh, you know, and, towered and, airports, they've got good numbers. Yeah, the flip side of which is, I've never been surveyed, whether by FAA or NTSB, on my flying activity. And you know, parenthetically, I'm not sure I would respond if I was. But uh, that's one of the reasons why the yeah. numbers are considered so squishy. Right. But to play devil's advocate for a minute here, uh, which is why there are three of us, uh, fleet's growing, as, as Charlie Becker so nicely mm-hmm. pointed out, and I think all the OEMs would come up with numbers that back that up. But if you uh, talk to the folks at AOPA, EAA, uh, they're concerned about a shrinkage that we're experiencing in the pilot population. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the pilot population shrinking, uh, you know, where are all these newer airplanes going? Well, you know, they're going to flight schools, they're going to individuals, they're going to fractional ownership programs, uh, many of which fly the aircraft, you know, more than, than average, some of which do not. But the bottom line is, if we've got a shrinking pilot population, uh, even with more aircraft out there, uh, it's not hard to see how we might not be growing all that much in in, in actual operations. Yeah, yeah. But I should jump in here and say that, that I, I left out the kind of punchline of Charlie's stats, uh, which was that by percentage, the largest uh, the, the category that grew the largest uh, was experimental. Was experimental. Uh, it grew twenty nine percent in the period from two thousand to six. So, uh, yeah, when, in, in but that doesn't necessarily life, negate your point about the pilot population decreasing. No, I, it, you know, those are separate issues. Uh, and uh, it's great to see the experimental population growing the way it is. And, and frankly, that's not new. Uh, no, it's not. Going back years uh, in, in another life, 
of mine uh, when I was a daily newspaper reporter and uh, did magazine work elsewhere. Uh, the uh, experimental was the fastest growing then. I'll be back. So the numbers here are, just anyone curious about the absolute numbers, uh, as of December of 2006, the grand total of all airworthy, airworthiness-certificated aircraft was 344,000 airplanes. Wow. Which, I, I was thinking more along the lines of, say, 250 or something. Now, according to this, 344, of that, 149,000, almost 150,000 are normal category aircraft, which I guess uh -huh. is what you would expect. I guess that that's your basic Cessnas and Bonanzas and right. so forth. Um, and then the next biggest category, utility was 23, transport was seven or almost 18, and... Uh, Experimental is 28, almost 29,000. It's for a total of, like I said, 344,000 uh, certificated airplanes. I don't think these numbers include military. I'm pretty sure that's the missing piece. Yeah, they, they would not. Piece yeah. this. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, wouldn't include military. It might include retired military uh, that are in private that's hands. So there's more airplanes. That's a good thing. But we need to go out and spend more time flying them, and yeah, we need to get like more student starts. We need more bodies, folks. Yeah. There's safety in numbers. Uh, cost to fly go down when there's more people flying because it's easier for schools to justify their services. It's easier for FBOs to uh, keep their tanks filled. The more often that they fill their tanks, uh, the better the discount they get. Uh, there's all sorts of good things that come from increasing the pilot population. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, inter take, introduce somebody to a cockpit sometime soon. Check the AOPA uh, uh, mentoring program out, Project Pilot. Uh, you're, you're, you're doing something good for yourself and for GA if you help bring somebody into aviation. There you go. R a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. So one thing we touched upon really quickly at the end of the last episode, because uh, James, who was with us last week, wanted to was to talk about this movie thing. I don't know if there's anything more to be taught. I mean, it was an interesting list that uh, that uh, yeah. EAA, <clears throat> that Air Venture, had on their website. Uh, let's see if I can actually find this list here, and uh, we can read some of the names that are on this list. So these are according uh, to now. Apparently, the way it worked, and correct me if I'm wrong, is EAA did sort of a big, massive survey, asking, making a master list. And then they asked people to select their favorites. And from mm -hmm. that, they came up with this list of about 10 all-time. These are sort of the nominees to pick the number one. One, one. important point, they're, they're, they're still doing this. This is an ongoing Right, uh, you survey. still have time. Uh, yeah. is, it doesn't close until May 2nd. Right, so right. you can vote for, you can pick one of the 10 as your favorite. But it doesn't appear that you can add anything to the list. Which You no. cannot. You know. So you anyways, cannot. the list is 12 o'clock high, the high and the mighty, the Spirit of St. Louis, The Flight of the Phoenix, Those Magnificent the Men... The original, not the remake. Yeah, the 1965 version. Right. Um, those Magnificent Men and Their Flying Machines, The Blue Max, The Battle of Britain, The Great Waldo Pepper, Top Gun, and Memphis Bell. And that's the second Memphis Bell, not the documentary from World War II. Right. That's the, yeah, the, the, that's the, the yeah, theatrical that's the, release. Uh, the fictionalized or, or the, right. the story version, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Very fictionalized. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? I, if, there's a bunch of good ones on here. There's one or two that I, I confess I'm not really familiar with, but there's a bunch that I've Which, seen. Uh, if I had to pick one of these, I would pick The Battle of Britain. Yeah, that's a very good, very good film. The Battle of Britain has got some great flying stuff in it. I, my take on all of this, 
going up to uh, you know which is your favorite aviation or it says greatest aviation movie. Well, I tend to think of that as what the question anyway. What is the greatest aviation movie? Uh, tend to think of well, what tells the story of the romance of aviation better than any of the other movies. Okay. And yeah. my my answer to that question among these ten is the Great Waldo Pepper, uh, because it it talking about barnstorming, talking about you know who's the better pilot, and uh, just the love of aviation, and in the end they fly off into the sunset. Um, to me, that's the best of the ten choices here, but I, as I think I mentioned last week's episode. Um, the uh, the movie that's not on here that I think perhaps should be I don't know that it would uh, uh, be my winner either but uh, the right stuff should be on here uh, in that it it talks a lot the theme of the right stuff is in fact who's the better pilot who 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 can fly better uh, who's gone higher and faster and farther um, I don't know I don't know now, Dave uh, I think you, had, you 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 took took uh... You, you you disagreed with that I think last week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think you know and and, and don't get me wrong here. Uh, uh, I'll just come out to great, beat it's the a great, out it, of you. you it's know. a great flick. Yeah, watch where you go there. <laughs> don't make me come down there. Uh, it's a great flick. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And Tom Wolfe, uh, the book and, and the movie, both do a great job of of documenting you know a, a really amazing uh, aspect of America's aviation history. But I don't see it as much a movie about aviation as I do about space and and uh, exploring the new frontier and pushing the envelope. Just uh, so even even ugly, though it's yeah. got Jaeger in the bar scene uh-huh. there at Poncho Barnes' place, uh-huh. uh, good to see him making a cameo. But uh, the uh, the flying in it is precious little, and the rocket power in it is overpowering. Uh, great, great human story because the story of how America moved into space exploration is a great story. But I yeah. don't see it as an aviation story. I don't see it on the list quite the same way that Jeb does. Yeah, you know, and and I I can see what Jeb's saying. I kind of appreciate the idea that you want these stories that sell the romance and the you know the thrill of aviation. But mm-hmm. you know, I guess I'm just more shallow. I I want I want pictures of airplanes flying. I want to see airplanes flying. And that's that's my big filter for this. That's one of the reasons why I like the Battle of Britain so much. Because right. although there's well, a pretty Dave, interesting Dave, story in there, I mean that was an amazing yeah. time in history, and to it, it really know, was the yeah. sense of desperation is comes through in that movie. But uh, but the thing that appeals to me is is the great flying sequences and all the great airplanes that they yeah. managed to pull together. Well, they they did a phenomenal job of uh, bringing back bringing out of retirement and and uh-huh. back into flying condition. A lot of great hardware to make that movie. Uh, I, I remember back in '69 when the uh, when the, the the word about it started to bubble out, and you know what we were going to see in it, and how they'd gone to such great lengths to uh, uh, maintain historical accuracy. And I was a little worried because you know not very often when you get this technically accurate, the story goes to hell in a handbasket. But in this case, the human drama. Mm-hmm. really did maintain front and center throughout the whole thing. Yeah, uh, it did. Uh, it's great, great flick. Uh, but I got to come down to uh, the great Waldo Pepper myself as 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 the one that best represents the romance of flying, the pioneering spirit, yeah. uh, the individualism that uh, you know we have to balance against the need to be regulated and part of a greater environment. Mm-hmm. As we still wrestle with that a little bit today. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. We do. Yep. And the, the the other benefit <clears throat> with the Great Waldo Pepper is that it has Susan Sarandon in it. Yes, oh, it there does. You go. In one of her first roles, actually. Uh-huh. One of her earliest roles. And uh, uh, I think it came along not too long after her uh, uh, knockout appearance in a Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's how she got the role, right? Uh, <clears throat> and, of course, you know, now the Blue Max, uh, the one thing or one thing going for it is it has uh, Ursula Andress in it. There you go. Um, but... Uh, uh, okay, we're knows? clearly applying a different standard now. We, we, yeah, I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking, out, you know, outside the box. As we've it were. gone from great stories about the romance of aviation to flying sequences to, oh, I don't know how to characterize who, this. Who, who the female co-stars? Let me are, put yeah. one last plug in for one of these movies that I think has great flying footage, very different tone than. Battle of Britain, but those magnificent men in their flying machine. Yes, it does. Oh, what a riot. Um, I mean, yeah. it's a very funky, frivolous kind of fun movie, but it's got some great footage of those, you know, re- replicas, I guess, of those old airplanes yeah. mm-hmm. really flying. Um, and uh, that part of it's a lot of fun. So, one uh, other. It's, uh, it's uh, really, uh, it's really a, a, a zany flick, as they yeah. say. T- two, two quick points here, though, uh, while we're at it. Uh, our listeners who are, might not know where to go or what we're talking about should go to uh, um, www.airventure.org slash movie. And that's where they'll see the, the list of the, uh, uh, the 10 movies that uh, EAA is polling on and, and actually be able to cast their vote. Um, and I think what's, the, it, what's at ahead. stake in this vote here is uh, uh, what they're going to it, open their screening with at the uh, Ford Eclipse Fly-In Theater during AirVenture later this exactly. year. Did exactly. you guys get so by you, to see that theater, that screen, last summer? That's really a phenomenal setup. It was yeah. really amazing. I, you know, oh, I thought, okay, was... they're going to like put up a little screen and people are going to, you know, I mean, that that was a huge. It really was like three or four stories tall. Well, it was it was seventy feet wide by fifty feet tall. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's inflated. Uh, it's, if you didn't go by at night, it was like down on the ground. Right, and they would fill it full of air, you know, late in the day, and uh, and, and then and they've got this big panel truck that sits uh-huh. at the, behind the audience where they've got a uh, digital light projection uh, style pro- projector and they're playing the movies off uh, DVD. Yeah. And they and, and they, it's really remarkable in its quality. Yeah. And it, you can it, you know, it is and it, the venue is is very nice also. They've got a gentle slope leading down to the screen. Um, there's some refreshments available nearby. Free it's, popcorn. It's free popcorn. It's it's open air. It's you know bring, bring your blanket, plop down, uh, watch the movie, and uh, the, it's just a very uh, a very relaxing, a very nice addition to the overall air venture experience. Yeah. And it's every night. Go, so it's it's every night during Oshkosh week. Uh, a different movie each night. Often a celebrity uh, will appear to uh, introduce the movie uh, each night and. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. They and they, you know they've been showing movies at at AirVenture for years, but this is the first time they did it in this big new venue. So if well, you missed they, out last year, check it out next summer. For for years, the movies were very often a part of the theater in the woods program, but uh, demand for uh, programs at theater in the woods it just got so yeah. uh, out of hand. Not bad choice of words so high and there were so many people that uh, didn't go to the theater in the woods that uh, they needed an, another diversion for folks that weren't at the theater in the woods which sometimes it attracts several thousand people uh, 
And remember, there's another 80, 90,000 people camped on the grounds at any given time. Uh, so the, uh, the little fly-in movie screen at the 40 Clips Fly-In Theater, that's uh, a new alternate as of last year. Uh, I was there opening night in uh, 2006 to shoot it for AirVenture Today, and uh, I was just amazed at the technology, the quality. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh I guess there were a couple of thousand people showed up for it. Uh, nice weather, no mosquitoes, <laughs> no mayflies, which is a big deal up there. Yeah. Free popcorn and, and waters. Yeah. So uh, bring your chair, bring your blanket, like Jeb said. Uh, actually, the first movie is the night before the, the, uh, the show actually starts. So come down, enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a good time. Yeah. Okay, what's next here? So... Uh, so here in the news of the weird, I've been sitting on this story for a few weeks now, but I just need this is just so weird. This was the Ohio Air oh, National yeah. Guard pilot who was giving a ride to the lieutenant governor, I think it was. Yep. Uh, and uh, and they were going to fly over downtown uh, uh, downtown <laughs> downtown Ohio. No, what city would it have been? Let's see. Cleveland or Cincinnati? Yeah. So uh, Toledo. Who knows? I thought it was over the state house, which would be in Columbus. Columbus. Yeah, it's yeah. Columbus. Yeah. Here you go. So it's, okay, this is well, from an AeroNews dot uh, net story. Do, do I hear Dayton? <laughs> Say what? <laughs> anyway, so what happened was, so so the so the uh, the Air Band National Guard is giving uh, is giving the lieutenant governor a ride uh, in this uh, uh, F sixteen, and they're flying over downtown uh, over the over the state house, and and uh, apparently he went like five hundred and fifty knots. Did he buzz the buzz the state capital at like yeah. uh, like five hundred and fifty miles an hour? All right, as as low as twenty one hundred feet. Which is not all that low, but I suppose if you're going 550 miles well, an hour, well, at, at 550, that's a that's a tad low. Yeah, but hey, my favorite, and since the uh, speed limit is 250 knots below flight level one zero, yeah, exactly, exactly. My favorite part of the story, though, is the quote from the uh, Air National Guard uh, person, who, the spokesperson, who said, uh, "We found that the pilot did inadvertently go faster than FAA regulations allow." <laughs> Inadvertently, yeah. yeah. Oops. He was in, inadvertently in burner. <laughs> so apparently that well, works. Next time you kind of get a, you know, you're supposed to call the tower, say, I inadvertently cut that guy off, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, so this is like going 110 in a 20-mile-an-hour school zone and going, right. oh, wow, how did I get there? How did I, how, ooh, I'm, my bad. Right. Um, I, I don't. One of the stories I saw on this, um, and it might be the same one you're thinking of, Jack, uh, uh, mentioned that uh, there might not be any uh, enforcement or sanctions uh, against this pilot. Um, I, I gotta, I, I gotta come down on the side of uh, being in favor of some uh, enforcement action against him. Uh, that was simply uncalled for. He has no idea what he, what he what he missed literally and figuratively uh, it's 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 uncalled for it sets a bad example especially for someone uh supposedly a professional pilot in albeit in the military uh there's no call for that but but are the military folks even subject to any sort of uh well the unless, subject to military unless, this is this was open airspace i don't know what the what the the official designation there over the, over downtown Columbus is whether it's Bravo, Delta, Charlie, or whatever. 
but unless he's in an MOA or restricted area or on a, in an MTR, um, he's not allowed to do that. Uh-huh. No. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me, but, you know, this is, this is the military and the federal government we're talking about, so... The, well, the, the, the air, uh, do the, the rules apply or do the rules not apply? The I mean, news story, the the news story that I'm looking at that is admittedly from about almost a month ago, so who knows uh -huh. what's new since then. But this story says that uh, the local newspaper, the Columbus Dispatch, states that the FAA has no authority to discipline a military pilot. I think that's correct because that's not a civilian pilot's license that guy's that's flying right. on. That's right. So they handed over the results, the, uh, the uh, Air Force, uh, or the Air National Guard, handed over the uh, results of its investigation to the Ohio Air National Guard 178th Fighter Wing in Springfield. And, and uh, you know, the military is going to do what it's going to do. You know? Yeah. So the upshot is we'll, we'll never know. What but the upshot is they, they'll, they won't do anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, I would expect the worst thing would happen would be a little letter in the guy's folder saying, bad boy oh but that, yeah a little, that a little a bad... wink and a nod and that's that's the end of it but, but that can be yeah, a bad still. thing right because it could be a very bad thing if you guys career skyhawk you know well if he you know the worst it could make case it, it... is he plows through a skyhawk on you know on, on the way up or down and and uh um it, it's just it's just uncalled for yeah yeah. Well, I think that uh, I think something similar to, to what you're describing happened down in Florida a few years ago, uh, and I'm not going to talk try to talk about it in detail because I'd be fishing from bad memory. But it was a, a, a high speed encounter between a uh, a private plane and a uh, military jet in questionable airspace, and uh, mm -hmm. the uh, the results are never good for either side. No, huh. But in terms of the guy's career, a letter of reprimand or a bad boy letter, you know, as competitive as promotional slots get as you get up the chain, uh, could make the difference between the guy being able to advance to uh, uh, his potential and maybe getting cut off at a lower rank because they compared him to three other guys with similar records and went, well, uh, we, we're going to take the other guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know... Not to flog a dead horse, but there was an episode back in the late 70s or early 80s um, off the east coast of uh, um, the U.S. I think it was off the Carolinas. Uh, a baron uh, with a family in it was inbound, I believe, to Wilmington, North Carolina from the Bahamas. And uh, typical operation, you know, completely legal, completely safe. Um, they were, uh, uh, for some reason... ATC or Customs or Air Force or whomever had lost the flick on that particular aircraft um, and scrambled two F-4 fighters, F-4s back then were frontline fighters, um, to intercept. And um, one of them overshot the intercept and basically flew through the Baron. Uh, the Baron, of course, uh, uh, came down in pieces. All aboard were killed. The, the the F-4 did successfully recover back to its base, I think, with Seymour Johnson, Air Force Base in North Carolina. Um, the upshot of it was that uh, uh, the pilots were a little bit overzealous, and uh, there were some issues about calibration of the F-4's radar, all that kind of thing. But uh, um, stuff like that does happen. Yeah, and, well, so uh, was the civilian air what was the what caused this was this a confusion or were they was a guy in a moa or 
Uh, he was he's penetrating he was the eighties over, over, over the over the Atlantic. He oh, was okay. he was inbound from international airspace, and uh, you know here's a here's a, a beach baron, uh, long range cruise probably doing 170 knots, and they scramble two F fours to intercept him, right. and as I say, overrun him, overfly him, uh, uh, over enthusiastic <clears throat> would be a good good way to right. describe it. So not to put this back on the civilian pilot, but there are things you can do to kind of minimize the chance that you get yourself jammed up like this. Well, the re as I recall, the record showed, <clears throat> excuse me, record showed that he had. Uh, um, filed all the correct flight plans and and uh, had notified um, air defense authorities that he would be penetrating the aid as an inbound from international airspace. Somehow that information <clears throat> did not make it to the appropriate authorities. Another failure of communication. That's, That's right. right. That's right. What else here? Let's see. So, uh, oh, okay, we got a uh, we got another piece of uh, audio feedback uh, from one of our listeners. Uh, now, I should explain to the to the uh, to our audience today that uh, we've got a brand new bit of technology going here. We're in the past, dun, 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 dun. although we made it sound like we were listening to these things live during the podcast. We actually weren't, and we kind of inserted them after the fact. But today, we've got this. Never want to see lost nor sausages nor podcasts. Mate. That uh, this may or may not work. We'll see. But uh, we're going to listen to this, and, and I, you guys are going to listen to it for the first time. I think uh, so. Uh, yeah, this, you kept it from us. This I did not keep it from you. I may have, <laughs> I may have revealed it to you a little bit you at the last minute. You made it minute. a secret. This is from Preston in Denton, Texas. Hey, guys. My name is Preston from Delta Tango Oscar, Denton, Denton, Texas. Just wanted to uh, give you guys uh, credits for your podcast and listening to listen on my hour drive back and forth to work. I was curious if you guys could maybe uh, cover something about Owner financing and owner leasing. Um, listening to your last podcast on my way home, saying there's a will, there's a way. I've been working on my uh, getting my hours through finding different people that had either extra airplanes or whatnot, where you know I'd reimburse them for insurance costs or whatnot, and uh, gain my hours, fly posters around to to different airports trying to sell their airplanes, whatnot, and uh, I was curious to find out if you guys could scrounge up some different uh, information on owner financing, uh, maybe put a link to a PDF or something on a, a contract and just give people a heads up um, on different ways to try to finance and build their hours to, uh, you know, save some money. So anyways, we look forward to hearing uh, the upcoming podcast and keep doing a great job. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Preston, hey, very Preston, much. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, that. By the way, came in through the listener line. It's really easy to do. You can get the number on our website, and it's just like leaving a voicemail. What do you think about his question? I have I have four words for Preston. A-O-P-A. -A. Uh, they have on their website uh, uh, a lot of information. We'll, we'll come back later whether or not that's four words or not. But <laughs> I get that. Uh, to, to a lot of information for pilots and, and prospective aircraft owners on we, we know financing, financial now. arrangements, uh, partnership arrangements, things of this sort. I, I guess the the other thing, um, and I don't know. Um, if Preston's a homeowner, for example, I don't know what his financial situation is all overall. Uh, if if someone is a homeowner there's always the possibility of a home equity loan uh to finance uh part uh, of the purchase of an aircraft um 
if you do a home equity loan, hey, you know, uh, even if you fly the airplane for uh, personal reasons only, the uh, uh, interest is uh, interest on that loan is deductible. Uh, the disclaimer obviously is check with your tax professional. Um, there are any other number of ways you can get a, a normal uh, loan, normal financing. Um, the average used airplane, maybe a, a, a Skyhawk or Warrior, a Cherokee, uh, on the order of forty to fifty thousand um, dollars. That's the price of a luxury car these days. And uh, if you can, if you can afford a decent car, um, you can probably afford uh, at least uh, most of the payments for a used airplane. Well, and the good news, uh, Jim's absolutely correct. The good news is that uh, if you can afford that uh, quote-unquote decent car that he's talking about, you can likely afford a quote-unquote good used airplane. Uh, the good news here is that you get a much longer payment term mm -hmm. uh, if you if you choose to, to use it and need it. Uh, there are finance uh, uh, options that go out to 15 and 20 years for used aircraft, which exactly. put, it, put, put them into the same category as a home mortgage in terms of the length of the term. Uh, and to give you a, you know, a quick, uh, quick and dirty on numbers, uh, if you finance about $40,000 uh, at about 7%, uh, you're looking at a, a monthly payment over 15 years, you're looking at a monthly payment well under 400 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Now, the, that's really not too, uh, too difficult to justify when uh, you, you look at a car of similar value where you might get five years and you're looking at payments of uh, eight, nine hundred bucks or, or higher per month, depending on your down payment. Right. Uh, one one but, big difference, of course, is that the car will depreciate drastically over that period of time. And the, the airplane, airplane is apt to go up. Unless the balloon goes up somewhere, uh, the airplane certainly is, is likely to hold its own and uh, over time likely will appreciate although the, the you, i would never recommend someone counting on the airplane appreciating but uh, uh you can pretty much take to the bank literally and figuratively that it will uh hold a lot of its value over that period of time now are there any particular um, financing organizations that are smarter about airplanes than others uh, can you go to your you're, local you're, neighborhood bank or what yeah. Uh, n neighborhood bank probably doesn't have a clue about how to finance or whether even to finance an airplane. Uh, again, I think AOPA is a should be a pretty good resource. There are um, several financial institutions around the country that uh, concentrate or, or uh, <clears throat> at least advocate that they're they're a good choice for financing airplanes. I don't have anything uh, at, at my fingertips relative to which those are, uh -huh. but uh, uh, a little research. Uh, uh, there's a bank I think in Prior, Arkansas that advertises Pri Prior, uh, Oklahoma. Prior, Oklahoma. Prior, that Oklahoma. Uh, advertises uh, uh, that they do a lot of uh, airplane financing. It's National and Bank sure of Prior. Yep. And uh, Preston, you can check uh, AOPA's website. Uh, they have uh, information on financing and uh, a partnership with a financing institution that uh, is worth examining. Uh, the same with our friends at the Experimental Aircraft right. Association up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. They also have a uh, an arrangement with a finance company 
company that will work with you. And it would be worth checking out and possibly the cost of membership, although I don't think being a member is required. It does help and may actually save you a little bit of money. Uh, and that's that's applicable to both of these organizations. Uh, and you can uh, find information on uh, other finance options through those sites uh, and through their magazines, uh, because other ad, uh, other financial institutions advertise in both of the the uh, Sport Pilot and uh, AOPA Pilot magazines. So, I'm sorry, Sport Aviation and AOPA Pilot magazines. So, two, two other points, uh, real quickly. First one, very quickly. Um, with anything like this, I think it's it's preferable to get your financing lined up. Uh, Absolutely, before you, pre-qualified. Before you, yeah, before you go in search of the airplane you're looking for, um, for a couple of reasons. One, it saves saves some time on the back end. Two, uh, if you do find the airplane you want and the price is right, uh, chances are um, other people are going to be looking for that same airplane. So once you find that airplane, you can snatch it up. Uh, much more quickly than someone who who still needs to go back to a bank or a financial institution and get his financing secured. Uh The second thing I think uh, is if that $400, $500 a month is not uh, a nut you can crack financially, uh, then find a partner. Uh, Maybe uh, uh, there's a club nearby who uh, is looking for a a new airplane on its fleet. there's, obviously, there's, there's uh, always the FBO leaseback proposition, um, but that's uh, a little bit uh, hairier than just simply outright ownership. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to skin this cat, um, and uh, maybe in future episodes we can uh, do a little bit more research and, and explore this a little bit more I for our listeners. That would be good. A couple of things for you, Preston. Uh, first thing that most people do, that I think the smartest thing you can do, is decide what you can afford. Right, uh, and then work backward from there. Uh, you decide what you can afford, then you can go out and work on pre-qualifying and getting your finance lined up. Then you can start looking at airplanes in that value range, uh, in that price range, and start narrowing your choices from there. Parallel to the financial side uh, is deciding what kind of flying you're going to do, what kind of airplane you think you want. Uh, you know that. We, we, we've got friends that get by really well and are very happy with their antique two-place, satisfies all their needs. Uh, we've got other friends that are flying, uh, you know, n- nice, well-seasoned 60s and 70s uh, Cherokees and Skyhawks and Comanches and Bonanzas uh, that aren't really full fuel for place airplanes but are nice two plus twos and satisfy those folks needs mm-hmm. so uh, you know there's some decision making that should go into this up front but uh, Jeb's absolutely correct uh, pre pre-qualifying for your financing is 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 a good thing to do uh, it's what we did the last time that we were shopping for an airplane it's what we'll do the next time now that's what I wanted to ask you about Dave last I heard you and Annie were in fact in the earliest stages of this process Anything you can tell us about, you know, what your plan is specifically for your your case? Well, we are in the earliest stage of the process, and when I say earliest stage, it it actually is kind of pre pre qualifying. What we're looking at right now is uh, is two things. One, do we want another airplane like we had the last time? Are we going to change our flying patterns? Do we have any new ambitions that might? 
be better served in a different type than the Comanche we had before. Uh, the second is looking at our finances and uh, trying to, to uh, project how soon uh, we'll recover from the uh, uh, damage that our uh, failed gallery incurred on us financially so that we can go to uh, the financial institutions and, and sanely apply for pre-qualification. Uh, right now, we're leaning toward another airplane similar to the last one. That would be another Comanche, another Aero, uh, Bonanza, something along, maybe a, a Cardinal, something along those lines. Uh, we did think briefly about an airplane that would be uh, suitable for doing air-to-air uh, -air photo work in it. Uh, we're a little less set on that right now, but if we decided to go that direction, then we would be looking at something like a Cherokee 6 or a Piper Lance or uh, an early early A36 or late V35B Bonanza, something with six seats and a cargo door that could be removed for shooting. Um, our, our business decision there hinges on a lot of things, and one of them is insurance. And if you insure an airplane as a platform for air-to-air -air work, your rates more than double. So uh, uh, even though the air-to-air -air history is pretty good, the insurance companies see it as enough of an additional risk to uh, to, to make it pay up front and through sure. the nose. But uh, the double-edged sword, what kind of flying you're going to do defines what kind of airplane you need. And out of that, you can start narrowing your, your, your focus on hardware, uh, deciding what you can afford and pre-qualifying then lets you narrow down on a price range, which will kind of define what years you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as leasing is concerned, there are options to lease airplanes, but that's pretty much exclusive to really new hardware, late model stuff, uh, right. stuff that's currently coming out of the factories. And uh, as, a, uh, as a financial deal, it's actually not bad uh, for the money you're talking about, but you'll find that the uh, monthly dollars and cents contribution on a lease is going to be considerably higher for that uh, uh, for that kind of airplane, that new an airplane, compared to looking for something that's uh, well seasoned and got a lot of life left in it. Yeah. Well, we want one, one of the things about ahead, leasing is one of the things about leasing is that for a personal airplane, it may not make a lot of financial sense. No, it's uh, very because you're not you're not building equity in the aircraft. Uh, if you're flying it strictly for business and, as a consequence, can deduct the lease payments, that's a different uh, kettle of fish. But uh, strictly as a personally flown aircraft with maybe you know 10 or 20 percent business mixed into it, it doesn't make any financial sense. Um, going back to something Dave touched on um, in looking at the aircraft mission, um, should really, you know, think about, you know, what that. You know, let's let's define what the mission should be, or, or what what goes into defining the mission, and that is, you know, what is your typical trip? Uh, are you, is it going to be uh, 250 miles to to Grandmama's house? Is it going to be a thousand miles uh, to uh, corporate headquarters? Is it going to be um, the the Saturday afternoon $200 hamburger? Um, different airplanes. When I was a uh, boy, missions. when I was yeah. a boy, it was only a hundred dollar hamburger. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that, that, um, that's a post-user fee figure, right? Yeah. 
couldn't, well, it's, couldn't it's a, stay it's away, post, huh? Not on entire episode. It's, it's a post four hundred fifty dollar or four dollar fifty cent a gallon gav gas. That's what it is. Yeah, right. That's but, what it is. Um, That's right. Um, a a a twenty year old Skyhawk isn't the right aircraft if you've got a lot of, uh, um, you know, six or eight hundred mile trips. Because you're you're definitely going to be down in the weeds. You're definitely going to have to stop for gas, and uh, that kind of air, that kind of trip, out. you're going to be worn out. Your 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 spouse is is going to say, "Why are we doing this? Why aren't we on Southwest or JetBlue?" Um, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the flip side for a six eight hundred mile trip, a, a Bonanza, Comanche. Uh, uh, a Centurion, something like that, goes really nice. It's 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 a very good fit, and uh, you can often beat the airlines on a trip like that. But you know, the 250 well, nautical mile trip, a, a Skyhawk or a Skylane is just fine. You know, the uh, the the experience in, in in our household. We started out with a Cherokee 140. Uh, used it to get my ticket. Uh, we started using it for business travel very quickly, uh, and uh, you know, very, very quickly found out that uh, you know, a hundred and five hundred and ten knot airplane, while it's still nicer than going on the airlines, just because of the convenience factor and the lack of hassle, uh, making a trip out to D.C. to see the wife's family or for business with the FAA or one of the alphabet groups. Uh, was a tremendous grind. That's a thousand mile trip from Wichita. Going to Lakeland for sun and fun, uh, it's a thousand mile trip from from Wichita. Uh, and then the little 140 uh, Cherokee, uh, those were all two stop or three stop trips that took 11, 12 hours total and just left us beat to death. And, uh, you know, to my bride's credit, about a year and a half, uh, almost two years into owning that airplane, uh, my wife said, if this is the way it's going to be all the time, don't you think maybe we deserve to go a little faster? Which led us to uh, sell the Cherokee and buy Comanche. We picked up about 30-odd knots. And then the trip to my hometown in Indiana was one, was nonstop. The trip to Lakeland was one stop. Uh, the trip to Oshkosh was nonstop. A whole lot of stuff fell into place. And instead of being 12 hours and beat to death to get someplace like D.C. or Lakeland, we were there in seven, seven and a half hours and still had enough energy to go out and play and have dinner with friends. Yeah. Right. David, you know that if you ever leave this woman, Jeb and I are going to fight a death match for her. <laughs> the line forms to the right. Yeah. I'll she, make it left on Annie's case. She's great. I've only well, met Annie once or twice. But, left. Uh, yes. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Moving we did on. get another a piece of uh, old-fashioned mail. Uh, this is actually a continuation. We re read the first half of... Uh, of David Allen's email last uh, episode, and I wanted to continue because he had some other fun stuff here. Uh, you'll recall David was the one who uh, was talking about how much he really, really wanted to learn how to fly, but he had money issues with the training, and we gave him a bunch of suggestions about that. Um, he's not uninvolved with aviation as it is, and he tells us a little bit about this. He says, I'm actually going through ground school right now, but with no intention of getting into the air. Long story, he says, I'd be happy to elaborate if you're interested. I think we are, but uh, I hope he'll fill us in later on. But then he goes on to tell us, he says, my father is a private pilot who took me for my first ride when I was very young. We used to fly a lot uh, when it was feasible. And later I joined the Civil Air Patrol. 
of which I'm still a member today. I've had the pleasure of flying in many different types of aircraft, ranging from gliders to light and medium GA aircraft to helicopters to Air Force refueling tankers and even one hot air balloon. He says there are lots of great stories to tell in there. He says, one of my fondest memories comes from a camping trip that my family took when I was a child to, you ready for this, Chattanooga, Tennessee. We camped on Raccoon Mountain. Raccoon Mountain, my old stomping grounds. There you go. Uh, he says, we camped on Raccoon Mountain, and to this day, I still remember looking up at the sky and watching hang gliders shoot off the top of the mountain. I thought uh, it pretty neat that Dave Higdon and I had been to the same place and had similar memories. The last uh, I thing... Used to, I used to... Go ahead, I used Dave. to almost live at that place. Uh -huh. uh, Raccoon Mountain and the uh, uh, Crystal Air Sports uh, Motel, right around the corner there. That's where I went to learn to fly in 1977. Uh, Dan Johnson uh, and a partner ran the, uh, the flight school there at the base of Raccoon Mountain, uh, Crystal Air Sports. Uh, they had a full-time flight school, several instructors, training wings, a bunny hill, and uh, if you were really good, you could work your way up to the top of the bunny hill where they actually had a wooden ramp that you could launch off of. And, oh, gee, many, from the top of the bunny hill, you were in the air maybe 30 seconds uh, and 8, 10 feet off the ground, and it just was a tremendous rush. That sounds great. That's uh, a great image, though. Flying bunnies. <laughs> well, I don't know. It tickles me. To call it ground. The, the, the U.S. Hang Gliding Association's magazine uh, uh, was originally called Ground Skimmer because in the early days, that was as much as hang gliders did. They, uh, you mm -hmm. know, they basically skimmed the ground from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill until the regalo wing technology progressed into the uh, late 70s and the ships got capable of soaring on days when there was enough, enough upward moving air. Uh, Crystal at the base of Raccoon Mountain was a great place to learn, convenient to hotel, uh, walking distance actually, some place where the kids could swim in a swimming pool while I went off at 7 a.m. for lessons. Uh, came home to Indiana, bought my first wing, bought a harness and helmet there at Crystal, uh, and started making regular treks down to uh, Lookout Mountain and Raccoon Mountain and the Sequatchie Valley and eventually moved there to work for Glider Rider magazine and uh, spent a lot of time soaring off Raccoon Mountain, uh, a lot of time off Lookout Mountain where I lived and a lot of out in the Sequatchie at a place called Henson's Gap. Uh, someday I'm going to live back down there because Annie and I have 10 acres that backs up to a runway on Walden Mountain, about five minutes from uh, the uh, Henson's Gap hang gliding site, and still have a lot of friends there. It's a beautiful country. So, uh, David, uh, you know, more power to you. You know, if nothing else, hang gliding is not a bad way to get into aviation, uh, if you don't mind turning out like I did. So David goes on, he finishes up by saying, uh, the last thing I wanted to bring up is Sun and Fun. He says, I live about two hours from Lakeland, so I look forward to Sun and Fun every year. I missed it for a few years, but was finally able to get back to it last year, and I'm really glad I was able to do it. The Air Force sent down a pair of gorgeous-looking F-22 Raptors and gave us the Heritage Flight photo opportunity with a P-51 Mustang, an F-15 Eagle, and the Raptor. Was a truly glorious moment, he writes. He says he's looking very uh, looking forward to uh, Sun and Fun again this year. He says, I'm especially excited to meet you gentlemen, which is there's his two first mistakes there. First, he's excited <laughs> to meet us, and second of all, he thinks we're gentlemen. But uh, 
He says, I may be working as part of the, uh, the CAP mission there, or I may just be a spectator. I'm not sure, but I'll be attending regardless, and I hope to rub shoulders with you all for a bit. Thank you, David, uh, for your uh, your emails, and uh, please do stay in touch. Tell us more about uh, some of your flying experiences. For someone who doesn't fly, you say you have a lot of flying experiences, and uh, and that's terrific. Just goes to show you there are lots of ways to be involved in aviation. We love getting notes like this. We love getting voicemails like Preston's. So, you know, don't hesitate to shout out at us. We'll shout out back. That's right. So uh, I had uh, one quick one here. I wanted to point out to folks Daniel that... Webster uh, College. That we, that's right, that uh, we have a uh, pretty cool uh, aviation event coming up here in a couple of weeks on March 31st in Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, the New England Aviation Expo is going to be held. Uh, this is sort of a, oh, I don't know how to characterize it exactly, a, an FAA safety seminar uh, on steroids. It's a, a big day-long event with many, many different uh, seminars and classes that you can attend. Uh, it's uh, uh, quite a thing and a lot of good information and a chance to meet up with a lot of other pilots from the area. So if you're uh, uh, available on that day, if you're free, uh, you should uh, arrange to find your way to Daniel Webster College in Nashua, New Hampshire. That's March 31st. We'll put the link on the on, in the show notes. But it's it's through the FAA's website. It's uh, I'll read it real quickly here. FAA.gov/news/conferences/aviation/expo. Don't try and memorize all that. Just go to the show notes. Yeah. I want to thank you guys, uh, Jeb Burnside. You can learn more about Jeb and and his work at uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com, at also uh, AvWeb.com, and at JebBurnside.com. And uh, thanks to Dave. Learn more about Dave and his work at DaveHigdon.com. I am Jack Hodgson. Learn more about my stuff at JackHodgson.com. And of course, visit us all at the UncontrolledAirspace.com website. Thanks, folks. So long. Go fly. Thank you, everyone. Uh, We'll talk to you again next time. Those magnificent men in their flying machines, they go up till you up, up, they go down till you down. They enchant all the ladies and steal the scenes with their up till you up, up, and their down till you down. You can email your suggestions and feedback about this podcast to podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com